The idea of boards of directors getting involved with cyber risk isn't a new one, yet it seems that many boards have not paid as much attention to risk cyber poses as they should have until the past year. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss the role of boards of directors in cyber risk, I'm pleased to be joined by Val Romani. She's a board member and consultant and former CEO of Dumbala and a longtime executive at IBM, and Malcolm Harkins, Chief Security and Privacy Officer at Intel. Welcome, Val. Welcome, Malcolm. Thank you. Thanks. Publicity surrounding the cyber threat from China and stealing intellectual property, massive data theft by trusted insiders such as Edward Snowden, national security agency meddling, and large data breaches such as the one experienced by Target has raised cyber risk to the forefront for many senior executives and boards of directors. Among boards in which addressing cyber risk is relatively new, what are the challenges they face in addressing it? I sit on some boards, and what most of the board members tell me is one of the issues is they just don't know how to really speak the language of the chief information security officer or even the CIO, and that those individuals don't really know how to speak their language. From a board perspective, they need it to be very much focused on the risk as part of an overall risk plan that they take at the board level, they don't have a good sense of exactly what questions to probe on. As you know, Eric, boards make their living, if you will, by by asking really probing questions and understanding and forcing the management team and the executives to better understand what's happening in the business. But to do that, they need to know enough to be able to ask those questions. And things are moving very quickly in this space. Even if they try to stay up to speed with all of it, it's difficult to be able to feel that they really are on top of it enough to be able to ask the question. Uh, Malcolm, I know you've thought about it a lot from the other side. It's sometimes hard for the more technical folk to understand what the board are looking for as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I do think it it gets back to an acumen and communication gap. And I think it's both at the the board level as well as for the security officer in terms of how do you translate the technical aspects of an advanced attack or advanced evasion techniques that an intruder might use and all the technical details of that into something that can be digested and understood by the business leaders and then get them to understand the actions and investments you need to take to better manage and mitigate those risks. Uh, An example or two of the kind of risks that are sort of new to them and uh, the kind of questions that the board is starting to raise to try to get that knowledge and and how people such as who are in Malcolm's position can help them? Well, I think you could think of a scenario, just pick up any vulnerability report that's coming out or, you know, for a system that needs to be patched or a new vulnerability that's out there. In many cases, those vulnerability reportings are, are very, very technical. They could be in the code of an application, the operating system. They could be in a, a driver or, or something like that within the, the system itself. And, you know, when you start talking about BIOS and firmware and drivers and your, net, your network infrastructure and all that level of technical depth. If you're a business leader that is not in the technology space, you might not even know what those words are. Again, I think you have to use different ways of communicating with that senior level audience to say there's a technical vulnerability in this particular product. The specific aspects of what it is is not relevant, but if exploited, here's what that then means in terms of uh, impact to the enterprise. And then you can talk about a particular exploit path. Somebody gets an email, they get a text, they go to a website, they plug in a USB, 
there's a technical vulnerability in something that allows an intruder to then get a foothold on the system. And then from there, they can use that system to conduct other attacks in the infrastructure, which is known as laterally moving, in order to gain the foothold that they're looking for. Now, that's a different dialogue than saying, I'm exploiting XYZ vulnerability, and you walk them through the technical path. You're up-leveling the discussion so that somebody can understand that all it takes is somebody clicking on something, and then a path to privileged access is made on a system, and then that privileged access is used to, to march into different parts of your infrastructure. I, I think that's right, and I think it leads to one of the really big questions that I'm getting from a number of boards, which is, how do I actually start thinking about the impact this might have? And where most of them are trying to start is looking, as Malcolm said, at, you know, what is actually going to be attacked? What is our critical data? What's our critical information? And boards tend to think of assets. They think a lot about the risk to our assets. They haven't up till now really thought of their information as assets. So as Malcolm's saying, they now are trying to work out, in conjunction with the technical team, what are our assets? What do they look like? Where are we at risk? And if we understand what our critical assets are, then maybe we can start understanding who might be wanting to do something bad to them. You know, there are different types of threat. It, it could be a, a, a state, as you said at the beginning, Eric. It could be, you know, I'm a major corporation and somebody really wants to take me down. Or it could be something much more straightforward, which is I have some customer data and someone wants to steal it. Or I have some information about where I'm going to next grow for oil and somebody wants to steal it. What they're trying to do now is really understand what are those assets, interpreted not as some bytes, but in terms of their value to the business. Then I can start thinking about, well, who might want those assets how might they try and go after them? And, and until you've done that, you haven't even got the capability to start thinking about how might I protect them. Are boards structured properly to address this kind of information? Don't most boards have some kind of risk committee? Should there, should, is, is cybersecurity something that should be incorporated into that risk committee, or is this something that should be separate? You know, a lot of financial institutions have a risk committee. Other than that, many don't. They do have audit committees. And what we're seeing is where there is a risk committee, absolutely, they're tending to be very involved where there's an audit committee only, they're tending to take lead. I think what I would say to a board, and many, most I think would agree, that it has to be the whole board that takes responsibility for this. Yes, the audit committee, working with the auditors or the risk committee can make recommendations, but in the end, much as you would say, it has to be the whole company that gets involved in trying to look at this problem from the management executive perspective, so it actually has to be the whole board who really gets involved in the governance part of this. It can't be just down to a single committee. It really has to be owned by the board at the governance level with those committees giving input and providing recommendations. But, but they shouldn't look at this as maybe being a cyber problem. They should be looking at this as being a risk problem, which information is a valuable asset. That's absolutely correct. And, and, and as such, they have to look at this as a process. You know, too many companies have tried or hoped that they could just say, well, you know, we do a pen test once a year, so we're probably okay, or we just involve... Uh, you know, put in a new piece of security software, so we should be okay. Now I think they're all beginning to truly understand that this is part of the process, and it's the risk management process, exactly as you say. But it has to be thought of in terms of the process and the policies behind that process and how we govern that. Val, why don't you give a recommendation or two to what a board should do? What are some action points that they should follow? Then Malcolm, I'm going to ask you what CISOs should be doing. You know, I think at a board level, I think first they really do have to understand their critical information assets and look at... What are they? Who has access to them? What do we do with them? Um, how do we think about them? They then have to, I think, do an assessment of how their protection can be assessed versus you know, the threats versus the comp their competitors. 
us as the industry, I, it's sort of a dashboard, how well are we doing? They have to put in place a real process and plan in terms of governance and leadership. You said, who owns this? How do we govern it? How do we review it? Um, I would suggest that you know the CIO or the head of security ought to be at the board meeting at least once a year, but they ought to be inputting on a quarterly basis. And then last but absolutely not least, they must look at the response plan. So well-managed boards will actually look at if the worst did happen and a breach became a crisis, we have a well-rehearsed, well-tested plan in place. We can feel very comfortable going to make sure we're taking the right actions. If you look at some of the big issues that have happened in corporations, not that they didn't see the threat, it's that they didn't have a good solid response plan in place once they saw, saw the threat to handle everything from disclosure to communicating with the public to ensuring the right processes in place to stop it happening again. And Malcolm, what should the, the CISOs or CIOs be doing to help the boards better understand? I think they all covered a good portion of it. In many ways, they've got to understand, again, the enterprise risk picture. So if they if they just understand their perspective on a cyber risk, you can't put it in the context of what might be the enterprise risk map. And I think if you can put your cyber risk in the context of the enterprise risk map, You'll also be speaking in the business terms that the, the board's already familiar with. You know, if you're a manufacturer on the enterprise risk map, might be a business continuity disaster recovery for factories because it's critical to revenue. You can then start looking at cyber risk that could affect factory operations through your industrial control systems and everything else, and then tie that to a risk paradigm they're already familiar with. The factory is not able to create or, or ship product. And then you can tar start talking about what the potential cyber risks are and cyber vulnerabilities you might have that could cause that to be the case, let's say, relative to an earthquake. And you can compare those things, but you've got a common basis for the language. Doing that type of things is, is pretty pertinent. I think the other thing is when you're in front of the board, you should also make sure that you are being transparent enough with them on the state of the state. You shouldn't be over-characterizing things. You shouldn't be under-characterizing things. Let the facts speak for themselves. Let the data on your metrics and, and how you think you're doing uh, speak for itself. And also not be afraid to share real incidents that you've had and how you've managed them. Um, because I think getting to Val's point on the incident response, that's a critical part for them to recognize the response plans you have in place and whether or not you've connected the dots across the enterprise to have the right legal folks, the, the technical team, in some cases, customer communication and marketing, privacy organization, they might all need to be brought to bear and managed with the level of, of unity of effort and unity of command in order to, to manage through an incident. Um, you know, there, about a year ago, there was a, a vulnerability um, called a true type font fuzzer vulnerability. Really, really interesting for the security folks out there and obviously potentially for the uh, intruders of the world because that format is it's extensible and uh, gets into the Windows kernel and ring zero renders, which can cut across web pages, emails, and documents. That's an example of a type of discussion or vulnerability that the security team can have but needs to be way up-leveled for a board discussion to just actually talk about the fact that there's a font vulnerability that could cut across, again, mail, documents, web pages that makes them vulnerable and stay away from the fact that it might be a true type font fuzzer because your board's not going to know what the heck a true type font fuzzer is. That's for sure. The board is not going to know what that is. 
uh, the only other thing I would add, and I'm sure Malcolm would agree, is I think the other role that the technical team have to play in front of the board is to help the board with what are the right questions. Unlike in financial areas or talking about currencies and things, here the board actually really needs guidance. And I know Malcolm does that you know, with his board in terms of actually helping them to formulate what it is they need to know and what they don't know. Is it appropriate for board members to, to reach out to a CI or a CISO independently without going through the CEO? I think that's dependent upon how the companies have structured themselves and what they think is adequate protocol. I do think it occurs. I think that that's totally fine, and I think a board member should have the, the right to, to, to reach in and ask questions directly. But I think it's depending upon how the, the company, the CEO, the board... Um, have set up the expectations for communication and coordination. I agree with that. I think that it's the same as you would do whether you're talking to you know, any other person um, on the executive team. Typically, as a board member, I would copy the CEO the first time I reach out uh, and then carry on a conversation with the CISO you know, independently. CEOs will not try to oppose that um, on the whole. Well, I thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. I've been speaking with Val Romani and Malcolm Harkins. I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.